This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. heal me. You, you know, I'm working for your ministry the second time, the third time. Lord, heal me. You use me to heal other people. Lord, heal me. Heal me. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So if you feel that God is not answering you, it's, it's not, oh, I don't know why he doesn't want to hear me. Read this. His grace is sufficient How often have you been in duress, asking, pleading with God to rescue you out of the trial that you've been sinking deep into? What you'll hear today from Pastor Eddie is the fact that even the Apostle Paul wasn't without trials and discouragements. He also pleaded with God for healing. It may not always be clear what God's doing in and through you, but continue to stay steadfast in reminding yourself that God's grace is all you need to get through. Well, Let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 as he continues his message, Paul's Final Instructions. You put John in the Isle of Patmos, Domitian, the uh, historians, uh, early church fathers say that uh, Domitian tried to boil him alive in the con- you know, oil. <laughs> Didn't work. So they sent him to the Isle of Patmos. And what happens? We have the book of Revelation. Uh, just think about it. Where Whenever the Lord puts you in a place, it's for a reason. But we don't know all of it. I've read a lot of commentaries, and most of them are just speculation, and they admit it's speculation. It could be. Nobody knows. But he's asking for books. He's asking for his cloak, his book, and, and parchments. Verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. Verse 15, you also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. Now, the name Alexander is mentioned two other times, actually three times, but this as the last name. But we're unsure as if this is the same Alexander found in Acts chapter 19, verse 33. Alexander who stood, uh, who stood up for the Jews in Acts chapter 19. Or it could be the Alexander that he mentioned in his first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20, where he said he delivered him to Satan. We're unsure because Alexander was a common name in those days. However, this Alexander did him much harm. You know, it's one thing to be mentioned in the Bible. That's your name mentioned in the Bible. That's incredible. But to be mentioned in the Bible for something you did wrong, that's another thing. Paul is not wanting to repay him in any way, but he left him in God's hand. He said, may the Lord repay him according to his works. And that's important for us. We're told to pray for our enemies. The world doesn't understand that. Pray for your enemies? Are you, you, you Christians are crazy. Really? Just let me at them. I'll take care of it. No, we're to love 
and pray for our enemies. That's not taught. That's not taught today at all. It's not taught in the schools. But we're, we're taught to pray for our enemies. Love those who persecute you, Jesus says. But if, if they do any harm, you know, we're still to forgive them, not to retaliate, not to repay sin for sin. The psalmist write this in Psalm 62, verse 12. He says, also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his works. God sees all things. In the book of Revelation, when it says his eyes are like the eyes of fire, if you see a picture painting of Jesus' eyes with fire, throw it away. That's not it's just symbolic. It's just saying that Jesus is going to judge everything he sees, and he sees everything. Fires bring purity, judgment, and everything he sees is judgment. There's nothing that you can do that God doesn't see. Even your thoughts, even your evil thoughts, your heart, God sees it. He knows Eyes of flame of fire. He's going to bring judgment. He says, be careful. Your sins will find you out, the Bible says. You might be good hiding it, but God is good at judging too. And it would be exposed. So be careful. But if those things are done to you with the love of Christ, forgive them, love them, pray for them, and let God take care of it. Paul wrote to, to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. You think God doesn't know what you're going through? You think God doesn't see people hurting you, taking advantage of you? You think God doesn't see that? God knows that. But the problem is, before you even allow God to, to, to bring justice or to bring vengeance, you already took matters into your own hands. Better yet, you already took matters in your hand, but in your heart. You already sin in your heart. As soon as someone does something wrong to you, we're called to pray. We're called to love. God sees the heart. Jesus, if you commit murder in your heart, you're a murderer. Wait a minute. I don't even have a weapon. Your heart. Somebody does something wrong to you. Don't be quick to be angry. Be quick to pray and let God take care of it. And forgive them. And God say, you know what? This is my son. This is my daughter. They really follow after me. I see what harm has been done to them. But their heart, there's no, there's no hatred. There is no intention to bring uh, vengeance on anyone. I'm going to take care of it. At the same time, God would bless you for being faithful. We need to get into the habit of being obedient to the Lord in the word of God and in the spirit to learn to forgive. This world does not know what that is. And in the, the place where the, and the people they, the world needs to see it from is the church. Talking about being a Christian, being Christ-like is forgiving. But here the Apostle Paul has been um, hurt and he's saying, you know, he's giving warning. And he mentions him by name. And sadly, and throughout my ministry, 20-something years, um, I only had a few occasions where I had to warn people about someone. I had to mention their name and what they're doing because for their safety. 
especially those who just gave their lives to the Lord. They're young, they're babes in the Lord, and they could be swept away by false teaching, doctrine, and hatred. And as a shepherd, I would do whatever I can to defend the flock that God has entrusted me. You belong to the Lord, not to me. And if we haven't had that here at Calvary Chapel Milford, but if that was to happen, would I find someone who continues to do uh, go against the word of God and are deceiving people opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm going to do whatever I can. I don't care what they call me. I may be short, but I'm from the Bronx. (laughs) (laughs) We need to be careful. You know, we need to be careful. There are people like Alexander, you know, who would do harm, refuse to repent, and they would continue on. And so Paul, he says, beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words and most likely a false teacher. Verse 16, at my first defense, no one stood up with me. I know that feeling. But all forsook me, may it not be charged against them. And this is exactly what Christ has done. Uh, you remember when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he was betrayed by Judas and he was arrested in Matthew 26, verse 56. It says, then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Trust me, if you feel forsaken, uh, one thing you know, you're in the same boat as Jesus. And one thing you must know, which is more important, he will never leave you nor forsake you. You never will be left alone, never, ever. If you ever feel that way, repent, (laughs) because that's against scripture. That's another God. God is consistent. Heaven and earth will pass, but his word will not pass. He said, I would never, ever, in the Greek, it's like a double, never, ever, ever, that's a triple, but never, ever uh, forsake you. That's a biblical fact. You don't believe that, then you don't believe the word of God. In the same way that we, we, we pray, he said, does God hear my prayer? Absolutely, God hears your prayer. Never say God doesn't hear my prayer. Never say that. It's to say that the word is not true. The word is a lie. And God does not hear. God hears. You're just not responding the way you want to respond as quick as you want to respond. We got instant uh, oatmeal, instant coffee, instant cash. We want instant God. It's not going to happen that way. Depend and trust in the Lord. Verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I love this. God is faithful. When others fail, God is faithful. He's the one that's with you. He's the one that all you need to worry about. When others have failed the apostle Paul, he said, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And let me tell you, people will abandon you. They will forsake you, especially when you need them the most. And whenever you get into that position, you shouldn't even ask the Lord, Lord, I'm going through these hard times and I feel alone. Uh, you're talking to the Lord, right? You're never alone. You talk to the Lord. He will always be there for you, no matter how difficult. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, through his son Jesus, since he always lives to make intercession for us. He's always praying for us. He's interceding. Do you know that Christ is always interceding for you? That's something we probably need to, I don't know, write it on our foreheads or on our hands to understand. God is praying for you always. You know, I read the book, um, The Holy Spirit, How He Works, A.W. Tozer. Anyway, it's a good book. Read it. Just remember the title, who wrote it. But he wrote this when he was in, in missions. He would go and he would write 
Hundreds of letters to the point where it's like so many letters he would write to other churches around the world. He said, keep me in prayer. Keep me in prayer. He would write these letters until one time he got to this verse. He realized, he thought that he could, the more people he would write letters to, the more people would be praying for him. There would be hundreds, maybe even thousands would be praying for him. He said, if I get all these people praying for me, oh man, uh, can you imagine what the Lord can do in my life? But he read this verse. He said, he stopped writing letters. Christ is interceding for me. So when you say people pray for me, yes, understand that he's already has been from the very beginning. When you were in the womb, he'd been praying for you. When you were born, he was, when you were a toddler, when you were in your terrible twos, he was praying for you. He's interceding. When you gave your life to him at the cross, he's praying for you. Always remember Christ is praying for you. Hebrews chapter 13, verses five to six. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? All these scriptures, we need to take it to heart. Most of the times we have in these scriptures and these little bread, you know, the little daily bread we take and read. We have them on a calendar. We have them on in frames as Christian decor. But we need to take it seriously, not just frame them up, but take it and take it, frame it in your heart. Word of God is powerful, sharper than any two as a sword. When he gives you these promises that he's interceding for you, he's praying for you, he'll never leave you, something we should always know. I know Paul knew that, but he had to write this. Verse 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear the word, even in prison. He's concerned not by his death. He doesn't say, oh, have the churches pray for me. Uh, you know, help me break out of here. You know, no. He's concerned about salvation. And he said, also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And what Paul draws here is a biblical image here, a biblical image taken from Psalms and from Daniel. Metaphorically speaking, he's referring to either Nero as the lion or saying himself as a lion or both because the reality is there is a lion. He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. First Peter chapter five, verse eight said, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, which is the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeing who he may devour. Always remember that. Always remember that. He hates Christians. That's why the world hates Christians. They're hating Christians. Our battle's not with flesh and blood. You know? Don't blame Christians for any violence. Blame Christians that we've been praying that the unborn be protected. You want to blame me for something? Blame me for that. And if you want to stone me, whatever, so be it. I go to heaven earlier. Satan hates Christians, and he only would attack Christians. Verse 18, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. One thing for sure, God is faithful to deliver his people from the enemy and keep them. He's the author and finisher of our faith, and he will preserve us for his heavenly kingdom. He says to him, be glory forever and ever. And all God's people say, 
Amen. There's another amen, by the way, just save the other one. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. They're not literally mansions, but if it were not so, I would have told you, I go prepare a place for you. Well, here it is. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, There you may be also. That's happening. Verse 19, another nine more people. Uh, He said, greet Prisca and Aquila or Priscilla Aquila, depending what translations you have, is a husband and wife team that Paul met on his second missionary journey in Acts chapter 18. Um, They even risked their lives for him in Romans chapter 16. And he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, and the house of Onesiphorus is one of the few who ministered to the Apostle Paul. Uh, he mentioned Onesiphorus in Timothy's first letter, Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he has, for he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. Erastus stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. <gasps> You left them sick? The great apostle Paul? You mean Trophimus didn't have faith? You mean the apostle Paul, the great apostle who healed people once, even his clothes, his rag, and he left them sick? Where's his faith? TV evangelists don't believe this. They don't read this. It's in the scripture. He left them sick. You know, Christians today are being taught by this prosperity movement that God has to heal you. God doesn't have to have to heal you. The reality is sin that started from the garden is the result of sin. Everything, bad breath, pimples. All disease is all the result of sin. And we expect God to heal. Oh, God doesn't hear me. God doesn't heal me. God's will, God's will, if he wants to heal. Is God in healing, is healing people today? Absolutely. I hear testimonies all the time. God is healing people. But it's sad that there are people who are so cast down, you know, oh, God is not hearing me. I'm still sick. And then you turn on the prosperity teachers. Oh, you just don't have enough faith. And now the amount of faith is the issue now. How much faith do you have? I don't know. I didn't weigh myself. It's not how much faith. You say you had mustard seed. Mustard seed. You know, mustard is the smallest. So it's not the amount of faith, but it is who we have faith in. And it's his will. Jesus was, was scourged. He was suffering in pain. He died. He said, not my will. Knowing he was going to go to the cross and not my will, but your will be done. The man at the pool of Bethesda, right? Did he have faith? The Bible didn't say he had faith. Jesus asked, do you want to be healed? You want to be healed? Well, every time I go to the water, start bumbling up. You know, the theory, you know, the story of this angel coming in. Uh, by the time I get there, it's full. I can't get in there. He was paralyzed for 30 years. Did Jesus say, well, how much faith do you have? Let me see. He asked that. Jesus says, 
Jesus asked him, you want to be healed? And he said, take up your mat and walk. Time out. Jesus, you're healing him without faith? <laughs> yeah, because that's who I am, sovereign. My will, I want to heal him. But he didn't say he believed in you. You didn't even share about your, your father in heaven. And you didn't at least set an example that you're the Messiah. Walk on the water, walk on the water, pull but that's not show something. No. Do you want to be healed? Yes or no? He didn't even answer to be healed. Take up your mat and walk. And we get in this prosperity, false teaching of healing. God still heals. There's nothing impossible for God, but it's his will. His will. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul knew this. Did you know the apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh? You know, I, I had a conversation with a few people about this. Say, oh, no, that's not implying his flesh. It's spiritual. In the English, it says flesh. And if you translate that in the Greek, it's still flesh. Where do you get spiritual? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and 9, it says, At least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation. A thorn in my flesh was given to me. I mean, he's been stoned so many times for the gospel, left for dead. A messenger of Satan to buff me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded. I pleaded with the Lord three times. Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. And I'm pretty sure it's not here, but I'm just thinking here. The first time we said, Lord, heal me. Okay, Lord, heal me. You, you know, I'm working for your ministry the second time, the third time. Lord, heal me. You use me to heal other people. Lord, heal me. Heal me. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So if you feel that God is not answering you, it's, it's not, oh, I don't know why he doesn't want him to read this. His grace is sufficient. And so, listen, you're not going to be healthy 100%. You know that. You know, 10 out of 10 people, you're going to die from the last thing you got sick from. Okay? When you die, you're not going to die healthy. And if you're perfectly healthy, probably in your 20s, you could die of a car accident. Reality is, is God's will. So here we have this. Paul left and said, I left them. I, I, I'm grateful that the Bible's honest. And in this part, you know you're not going to hear it on TBN. You're not going to hear it from the prosperity movement. But he says, uh, Trophimus, I have left and my leaders sick. Okay? Verse 21. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you as well as Prudence, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It is not the Holy Spirit, be your spirit speaking about the consciousness of man, your spirit with you. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. You've just heard another message from Pastor Eddie right here on Running the Race. We're so glad you decided to spend part of your day with us delving deep into God's Word to learn more about Jesus. The Apostle Paul made sure to leave no strings untied as he wrote a letter to Timothy, the man who would eventually take over Paul's ministry. It's no secret that we'll all face death someday, and sometimes we need to face that reality. 
That's exactly what's happening in this book of 2 Timothy. Equally important is keeping our focus on God and trusting that He used our life exactly how it was meant to be spent. There's much more to learn from this book and other books of the Bible, so be sure to visit runningtheraceradio.com. While you're there, take some moments to look around. We have some great resources to help you in your study of God's Word. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. That's all the time we have for today, but we look forward to being with you again on the next edition of Running the Race.